0: Chapter twelve of the Adopting of Rosa Marie by Carol Watson Rankin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The fire Jean, Betty, Marjorie, and Mabel ran with the rest to see what was happening, for their homes were not far from the schoolhouse. Indeed, owing to its ample setting, the building was plainly visible from all directions, and from a distance it always loomed larger than anything else in the town to all the citizens it was a most unusual and alarming sight to see thick black smoke curling about the eaves and rising in a threatening column above the familiar building such a thing had never happened before marjorie was the first of the quartette to discover what was going on she had opened her bedroom window the better to count the strokes of the fire-bell when to her astonishment she saw the fire itself or at least the smoke thereof her first thought was of her three friends for of course no cottager could view such a spectacle as this promised to be without the companionship of the other three so marjorie flew around the block like a little excited hen dr tucker said and collected the girls they ran in a body to join the swelling crowd that surrounded the smoking building keep out of danger called auntie jane who was watching the fire from her upstairs window we will shrieked marjorie who, with the other three, was rushing by. "'Don't get mixed up with the hose,' warned Dr. Tucker, who was carrying young Peter to view the fire. "'We won't,' promised Betty. "'We'll stand on the very safest corner.' "'This is it,' declared Jean, stopping short of the sidewalk. "'We can see right over the heads of the folks that are closest to the building.' "'Should you think,' panted Mabel hopefully, "'that there'd be school Monday?' "'Looks doubtful,' said Marjorie. Not upstairs, anyway, returned Jean. Everything must be smoked perfectly black, and it's getting worse every minute instead of better. Goodness, cried Mabel, suddenly turning pale at a new and alarming thought. I do hope it won't burn my room. The money for Miss Bonner's birthday present is in my desk. It's, it's a horrible lot of money to lose. I ought never to have left it there. Dear me, do you think— Phew, cried Jean, paying no heed to Mabel. Look at that. "'That was a terrifying flash of red "'that suddenly illumined six of the big upper windows.' "'The high school room,' groaned Betty. "'It's... it's flames.' "'Why doesn't somebody do something?' growled an indignant taxpayer. "'That building cost $50,000.' "'Fire started from a defective flue on top floor,' "'explained another bystander. "'But that's no reason why the whole place should go. "'There's no fire downstairs, but there will be. "'What's that? No water? Broken hydrant?' Mabel listened attentively. The bystander continued. Then the whole building is doomed. It's had time enough to get a tremendous start. Oh, look, cried Jean. It's bursting through into the next room. My room. Oh, how dreadful. All our plants, our books, our pictures. Oh, oh, I can't bear to look. Firemen and volunteer helpers were hurrying in and out the wide south door. Men carried out towering piles of books and tossed them ruthlessly to the ground. Miss Bonner's big pink geranium was added to the heap. The janitor appeared with the big hall clock that wouldn't go at all on ordinary occasions, but now was striking seven hundred and twenty-seven, or something like that, all at one stretch. It seemed to be crying out an alarm. The roar of flames could now be heard likewise. Why? exclaimed Jean, wheeling suddenly. Where's Mabel? Wasn't she right beside you a minute ago, Betty? I certainly saw her there. She was, but she isn't now, returned Betty, looking about anxiously. I thought she was behind me. "'Dear me!' murmured Motherly Jane. "'I hope she hasn't gone any closer. "'Suppose the scallops on that roof should begin to melt off.' "'Oh, look!' cried Marjorie. "'There, in the doorway!' All three looked, just in time, to see a short, not very slender girl in an unmistakable red cap dart in at the smoky doorway. "'Oh!' groaned Jean. "'It's Mabel!' "'Oh!' moaned Marjorie. "'Why did I ever tell her that there was a fire?' I'm afraid, hazarded Betty, that she's gone to Miss Bonner's room to get that money. Betty was right. That was exactly what Mabel had done. All along Mabel's way, hands had stretched out to stop the flying figure. But the hands were always just a little too late. You see, the owners of the tardy hands did not realize quickly enough that rash little Mabel actually meant to enter a building whose top floor was all in flames. She was fairly inside before the onlookers grasped the situation how perfectly foolish cried marjorie stamping her foot in helpless rage of course somebody will get her out there's two men going in now but how perfectly silly for her to go in at all mabel however was not feeling at all foolish no indeed the little girl to her own way of thinking was doing a worthy even a heroic deed she was rescuing the precious two dollars and forty-seven cents that her class had so laboriously raised to buy miss bonner a birthday gift she would have liked to accomplish it in a little less spectacular manner but no other way being available she had made the best of the circumstances and was ignoring the crowd she hoped indeed that no one had noticed her with so much else to look after it seemed as if one small girl might easily remain unobserved to be sure she was risking her life the life of the only little girl that her parents possessed but that seemed a small affair beside two dollars and forty seven cents the roof might fall the cornice might drop the huge chimney might collapse the suffocating smoke or scorching flames might suddenly pour into that still unburned lower room let them heroes never stop for such trifles with such a sum at stake by this time jean marjorie and betty were white and absolutely speechless with fear four firemen were sitting on dr bennett to keep him from rushing in after the little girl he had promptly recognized as his own and five women were supporting and encouraging mrs bennett who had grown too weak to stand although she still had her wits about her Fifty dollars reward, Mr. Black was shouting to the man that gets that child. He would have gone after her himself, but Mrs. Crane had him firmly by the coattails, and both Dr. and Mrs. Tucker were clinging to his arms. Be aisy, be aisy, Mrs. Maloney, the egg woman, was murmuring to the world in general. Miss Mabel's the kind that's always escaping, just be the skin of her teeth. Rest aisy. them fire laddies will be having her out, out of that door and another jiffy. But although the crowd rested as aisy as it could, the moments went by and no Mabel appeared. With every instant the fire grew worse. By this time the smoke and angry sheets of flame had burst through the roof and were streaming with mighty, threatening roar, straight up into the blackened sky, a splendid sight that was visible for a long distance. There was no water to check the mighty fire, for a few moments after the hose had been attached, a hydrant had burst and the water that should have been quenching the fire was quietly drenching the feet of many an unheeding bystander. And presently, the thing that everybody expected happened. With a lingering, horrible crash, a large part of the upper floor dropped to the main hallway below. Smoke poured from the lower windows and doorways. In another moment, leaping, hungry flames were visible in every room except the basement. The entire superstructure seemed now just like a gigantic, topless furnace. And of course, it was no longer possible for even the firemen to venture inside. But where was Mabel? End of chapter 12.